When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Let's talk some world athletics. Hayden, Hayden Sherman now joins me on the program. Hayden, how are you? Yeah, good, thanks, Mark. And, and yourself, you're a, you're a busy boy, no doubt, this weekend. Well, I'm just getting a little distracted. I've got people walking past. It's amazing uh, how many people bring their dogs through Bunnings Warehouse. It's amazing how many people <laughs> actually do just flood through. And I just I just got a little distracted there on introducing you because I just uh, saw a local teacher from our local school. Oh, no. Very cool. Good community moment. Hayden, Hayden, Maddie Wishy uh, in action overnight or earlier this morning in the women's shot put through a lifetime personal best of 19 metres, just over 19 metres 50. Uh, I think finished seventh overall. What did you make of her performance? And is this another step in terms of hopefully getting yourself on the podium maybe in Paris next year? Yeah, well, it's another step, but it's literally a, a one-centimetre step. So last year at the World Champ in Eugene, Oregon, she, she finished seventh with a 1950 PB, and this time she finished seventh with a 1951. So um, talk about consistent, but um, she, she said afterwards she, she was pretty hungry for more. She knows that she's got more in her. And potentially for her, it was a, a, a case of, you know, she threw that, PB in round five and fell her, her final one, and she was quite conservative early in the in the earlier rounds, just making sure she made that that final eight. For they start with twelve in the final, then they they cut it down to eight for the the last three throws of six. Uh, but she was a bit more conservative, just making sure she got those marks on the board to get that top eight, um, and then really really started to heave it. And I do wonder with Madison, you know, she doesn't do the Diamond League circuit, she doesn't. Day super active on on the international competition scene. I wonder if a couple of diamond leagues in the lead up to this could have been uh, worthwhile just to give her that that high level competition experience. But she's hungry. She's within Kui. You know what was it? 16, 18 centimeters off the the bronze medalist Gong from China. Um, so she's right there. You know. So. Um, a, a, a couple, uh, well, one more year of, of training and, and hopefully a few more international competitions mm. until we have the experience and strength to to find those 18 centimetres. Yeah, it was always one of my criticisms, particularly with athletes, maybe more in the 1990s, not so much now because I think there's more funding available to athletes not competing enough. Is this just more around being homesick? I mean, what's the rationale for her not wanting to compete more internationally? Is it a financial thing? Yeah. I don't, I don't know, and I, I need to uh, I need to ask her this question next time I see her because after her great performance last year on the international stage, we were thinking, you know, okay, she's going to be have the door wide open to the Diamond Leagues, and you know, she'll she'll have a great European tour laid out for her. But um, yeah, for for whatever reason this year she she didn't take that up. So next time I see her, I'll I'll ask her um, what that plan plan is and. Uh, going into next year, and it's you know it's quite similar to Jack O'Gill and the the men's shot foot as well. Tom Walsh is very present and very active on the international tour. 
Whereas Jacko, I think he did one Diamond League in the build-up, and that was kind of it. Prefers to train at home, got a good home tra- training set up with his family. I assume it's the same for, for Madison Wessey, but um, yeah, it, you, you've got to think a bit more experience, uh, especially early early rounds, being prepared to to you know back yourself to to put a mark out there, so you you don't leave yourself wondering what could have been by the time you get to round five or six. Just 24 years of age, Maddie Weshey, and I'd imagine that a sport like shot put discus, some of those thrown events, some of those strength events, you peak a little bit later. Um, so she's still relatively young. Can you maybe provide a little bit more insight in terms of, you know, when what is the right age to be sort of peaking in sports like the shot and the discus? Yeah, I would say late 20s is, is probably about right because they're very technical events. So she's doing the, the rotational technique one and a half spins before you release the shot. And there's multiple stages in there where something can go wrong. And we saw, you know, probably three or four years ago, she was quite inconsistent. Her throws would vary three, four metres at a time and plenty of of fouls. Now she's really finding that consistency. Uh, So once you get that consistency, then you can really start to to muscle it and get everything working, you know, all engines firing. but there, it, it is learning this, um, this sort of seven-step dance across the circle and getting that muscle memory. And I really do think that, that takes probably a decade at a, at a high level uh, to get that right. And then the strength is the other, the other component, uh, just, just building up that strength in the gym, uh, gradually putting, putting on more weight on the bar and uh, really getting, getting the body firing. So there's a couple of elements that really mean that by, by your late 20s, you should be uh, all engines go. Yeah, huge amount of energy, huge amount of force and torque um, from the body every time you throw the shot put. Um, how, yeah, how much fatigue every time they put the, put the put out there, every time they do put the shot put out into the field? And what part of the body's fatigued the most? Yeah, yeah. So it's, you know, think about if you were to go to the gym and, and, and set up the squat rack and try and bust out six personal best uh, uh, lifts on, on the squat rack, you, you'd probably only have, a, you know, two or three shots. And, you know, you look at the shot putter and you think, okay, it looks like they're mostly using their arms, but it really does come from the legs on up and it's getting that connection from that leg drive from the momentum you're generating across the circle and through the rotation um, and then transferring that through your core and and out through through your arms so really you know the arms are just the icing on the cake it's it's the legs that that tend to tend to require the the strength and that's why you'll see uh, you know the top shot putters Jacko Gill um, Valerie Adams you know all all the top shot putters are, are wonderful lifters in the gym and they've got great great deadlift squat uh, strength as well as the as well as the bench press which is probably the one that you'd expect them to have so uh, yeah it's, it's uh, six rounds is, is, is probably enough um, you can definitely see athletes fatigue uh, but yeah it's a, it's a full body uh, workout that's for sure hmm. Let's talk Geordie Beamish because I think it's really the highlight of the yeah. performance of the athletes at these World Championships. Uh, Zoe Hobbs, admittedly, only a thousandth of a second out from reaching that 100 metre final. But to finish fifth yep. in an event that's been dominated by the Africans for so long, 
as we said earlier, beating the long-standing uh, record held by the great Peter Renner. A wonderful last lap from him. Just provide us a little bit of background on Geordie Beamish, uh, his, his sort of pathway that he has taken, because steeplechase, it's a relatively new event for him. Uh, did yeah. he come from a 1,500-metre background originally? What's the path he's taken? Yeah, so classic Kiwi kid growing up, really, all eyes on the 1,500 and the mile, and he went on to win a, a college indoor title in the States in the mile, uh, which is, is a, a, a massive feat. Um, people may remember Lucy Van Dalen doing that, or probably about ooh, 10 years ago, maybe now. Um, Who was she out of California, but, wasn't she, somewhere? Yeah, uh, so she, she was based in Stony Brook, uh, wherever that is in the, in the US, but from Wanganui mm. as well. So, um, yeah, both Geordie and, and the Van Dalen sisters are from, uh, from Wanganui. So it's a bit of a, bit of a stable and gr- great uh, grassroots athletic scene there. Um, but, yeah, so he was focused on the 1500, sort of flirting with the 5K, but he really struggled to uh, get in the mileage and, and his, his body sort of wasn't agreeing to the, the higher volume for that 5K. So he, he's really found a sweet spot in, in the 3000 metres. And the other thing he's got is this amazing kick. So, you know, a lot of his finishes have actually gone viral through the athletics community of just this amazing come from behind wins against quality uh, 1500 or 3k fields and um, it, that I think that that kick really suits the the environment of the steeplechase which is uh, you know your rhythm's constantly being broken up so he's less of a rhythm runner and more of a, a guy who wants a bit of interest throughout the race with some some barriers and water jumps to, to tackle throughout that race so Geordie uh, was quite well back. I think he was about eighth with 200 metres to go and then closed faster than anyone in the race. And and this is the thing that's got us really excited is, is that he's only just turned to the steeplechase back in April um, and he's gone from being looking pretty ragged going over those, uh, those barriers to looking really smooth and closing faster than even El Bacali who, who won the race. Uh, the champions beat the world record holder, absolute uh, probably all-time closer in the steeples, and uh, Geordie Beamish was closing in on him in fifth and not too far away from a medal as well. So mark this spot. If he can stay healthy over the next 12 months, he's a realistic medal chance for Paris Olympics. And who knows, if he can bring his time down from 8.13 now to low 8, he could be one of the, the guys you talk about for the win as well. Again, the world record holder and the guy who's the thorn in the side of the world record holder was, was yeah. Al Bacali. Yeah, or otherwise we're just hoping for a really slow 3,000-metre steeplechase and let it come down to the last lap, as you mentioned. Look, a strong team of 19 yeah. athletes. I mean, Zoe Hobbs, uh, wonderful performance there. Um, some mixed results. Yeah. All in all, sort of sum up the performance of this New Zealand team and should we be concerned? Yeah, so yeah, 19 athletes, we have six top 10s, four top 8s, only one personal best. And, and uh, you know, Zoe and Geordie both came very close to their, their national records. But that's the big concerning thing for me. There was one personal best and no other season best. And that really sends a signal when you sort of look through the, the results of those 19 athletes. A lot of athletes will be going home feeling like, oh, this wasn't my best performance of the year. And that just sends a, sends a signal to 
to everyone saying, well, as a team, we underperformed. So was there something to do with our build-up? Was there something to do with our logistics at the event? Were we heat adapted? It was very hot and, and hungry, sort of mid-30s and reasonably high humidity. Uh, so there'll be a lot of questions asked around that, that team performance, that overall performance, because ideally you'd see you know, a third of your athletes getting seasons best. You'd see a couple of national records and um, a handful of personal bests as well. But for whatever reason, that, that hasn't happened. I, I think one of, one of the key reasons is that Kiwis have a very long summer, so often our athletes will open up in December um, and then they'll compete almost all the way through to, to August. Um, you know, compete in the New Zealand scene, then head over to Australia and then head over to the US and Europe. So it can be a very long season and very hard to peak. Whereas we saw Zoe, she just opened up her season in very late February, um, broke the world, uh, national record and Oceania record in early March, and then sort of onwards from there. So I, I do think that a lot of athletes will be looking at how she planned her, her season and actually say, I can't actually compete and turn up at these New Zealand events that are in late January, early February, because it's just taking the sting out of my, my peak later in the year. So that, that's a shame for our domestic season, but it could be the, the reality that our top 20-odd uh, athletes need to, need to look at in terms of periodising their year. Yeah, it's a hard one, isn't it? Because I say this, it's easy to criticise, but you know, unlike say golf, you get four or five cracks a year, or the All Blacks get next week to try and right the wrongs. Generally, you've got to try and get it right on one given day once a year, and it's not an exact science, is it? No, and, and everyone's different. Um, and we've had some wonderful um, examples of being able to peak. Like Nick Willis was the absolute master at peaking at the right time of the year, and. I think Tom Walsh, uh, sort of around that sort of 2017 through 2019, was also uh, great at doing that as well. He's probably thinking now I, I peaked a month too early this year. Um, so, yeah, it's it's definitely a mix of an art and a science, and, and there's no one best way of doing it. You've got to work with mm. your coach and work with your medical staff to work out how your body operates. Eliza McCartney, any updates? Um hearing that possibly that injury sort of resurfaced? Yeah, the old Achilles, it's, uh, you know, as someone who's ruptured an Achilles myself, it's it's a long road back and any any little niggle will just be in the back of your mind. Um, so I'm not sure exactly how, how bad it is. I know that she had been dealing with it for about two weeks leading up to Worlds and then really didn't get off the runway for the, for the three attempts. So that suggests that it's it's a pretty bad flare-up. Um, hopefully she can just back off now and go back to what she's practised so well with her, her rehab. But it's heartbreaking for Eliza because she was, I think she was ranked third in the world coming into world champs. Um, and we were sort of all anticipating this fairy tale return to the global level, but it, it wasn't to be. So maybe next year will be the fairy tale, but certainly that Achilles is the most <laughs> fragile ligament in all of uh, all of New Zealand athletics right now. Hayden Sherman, as always, thank you for joining us here on SENZ this afternoon. Greatly appreciated. No worries. Thanks, Mark.